Welcome to the Best Player Wins podcast, where we believe that winning is winning, no matter by how little or by how much. I'm your host, Jake Deemer, and well, 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 it has been a while. Uh, we are bringing the podcast back from the from the dead. Uh, Jarwin and I, Jarwin is here. He does not get to talk until a little bit later, though. Um, yeah, I've been gone for a while. Um, lots of changes for me, new house. Um, I know how to... Uh, how to do a lot more stuff now uh, than I did before with regards to uh, owning a home and general um, putting things together. But amidst all the changes, there is one thing that hasn't changed. Jerowyn, I'm actually going to let you talk early. Do you do you know what that one thing might be? Um, is it making the playoffs and being the number one seed? Yeah, that's still the same for me. Um, yeah. <laughs> Your number one overall seed again. Um, well, I think this is. Let's see the year we've uh, we've had six, no seven years. I think I've been the number one seed in five of them. That sounds right, but that's my that's my my brag. I'm I, it's it's been a while, so I feel like I I can have a little bit similar to how they do in wrestling after like the long the long layoff. You come back with a character change, so like maybe I can just be a villain now on the podcast and we can get the uh the good cop bad cop thing going but let's uh get into it um because we've been gone for so long there's it, it seems kind of dumb to do a prior week recap um because it has been a number of prior weeks since we last spoke so instead i'm just going to read off the records of everybody since the last episode um, and I think that that was, was that the solo episode or was there one after that? I don't remember. It's, I believe it was the deadline episode or sorry, not the deadline, the uh, all-star break. Okay. I don't remember when that was. I have not been paying very close attention to things just in general. So um, we're going to do the best we can today, but uh, luckily Jerowyn has paid attention and has put together this wonderful itinerary for us today. So, records since the last episode. Leading the way is Nate at 10-0. He's probably really sad to see us uh, record the podcast again because that might mess up the role that his team is on he is, since he has been perfect since we stopped recording. Nick Lee is right behind him at 9-1. I am at 7-3. and three. I, I remember seeing, I think it was two head-to-head -head losses and a median loss, but I don't remember for sure. Uh, Scott is Scott and Jerwin are tied at six and four. Uh, they are in four and five. JC five and five since the hiatus. Um, right behind him is Leagueville and Nick at four and six. Uh, behind him we have three teams that compiled three and seven records during the break, and that is Brendan, Jordan, and Sam. And rounding out the league, the last two teams, Eddie and Mike went in abysmal two and eight since we stopped recording uh so i i have here that uh there's the standings update but i don't have the standings in front of me and i know we're going to get to that later so and we're just going to move right along to uh takeaways and there's going to be a lot of general takeaways um and you're going to notice for my for me i've kind of just been writing down thoughts like oh i should talk about that on the podcast like as it happens so some of these are from a really long time ago Starting with this first one, I remember the last time I was on about how I had wanted the the Pirates to I'd come around to the Pirates drafting Paul Skeens and it, it happened. So Skeens has a too good to fail 
aura about him, but I worry that they'll slow play him. And here's why that's an issue. Their development is atrocious. They ruin it. The longer the pitchers are in their organization, the worse they are. I hope that Paul Skeens, the second that a Pirates coach tells him to do anything, he laughs in their face and tells them to F off because they, I do not want them touching him. Just let him go out there and do whatever he wants. Uh, this new regime has had no success developing young pitchers, and I do not want them ruining probably the, the prospect that I've been the most excited about on the Pirates in a very, very long time. Jerwin, I'll bounce it to you for a takeaway, um, or I could keep going because I have many thoughts on the Pirates pitching. Um. Wow. I, I guess, yeah, I just have like the one, the thing I've been thinking about since, you know, we last recorded it, and it's just that July and August, uh, basically anything after the All-Star break games, uh, those matchups, it's just it's just hard to get through. Even when you're like battling for the playoffs like I was, the burnout is real. That's just that's just kind of how I've been feeling. Uh, I know I know it sucked to not have the podcast for a while, but I I am happy that I had this break, <laughs> and um, I, I hope you're all happy that I had this break because it'll be much better down the stretch in the playoffs. I won't be completely burnt out. I am well rested and ready to go uh, for the for the championship push on the podcast. Um, but yeah, that was that was kind of where I was at while we were on the break. I uh, I put a lot of effort into the season and it started out rather poorly. So that was kind of deflating. And, you know, the fantasy baseball season is really long. So those are just the things I've been ruminating on, kind of getting getting my mindset in a in a better place and ready to go for the, the really fun part of the season, like the playoff race. We'll talk about that later. And obviously now the actual playoffs. So yeah, that's what I've been thinking about. Jake, you just go ahead and rip the pirates apart and I will I will chime in uh if you if you need me. Okay. So I guess the overall I'm gonna go back to bashing the pirates pitching again. They're falling into a different form of the same trap that the previous management did. And that is, so the Pirates this year have tried to spin teams to death. As a group, they rank third in the league in sliders thrown. They're also third in the league in curveballs. Uh, but sliders, I think it was over, it was like 34% thrown as a group. Curveballs, it was only about 11. But in any event, they're throwing. I think the second most breaking pitches out of any pitching staff in the league. Um, and they, they throw a breaking ball nearly half the time. This is better than the pitch to contact nonsense that was going on before. But the real issue here is that they're using a blanket approach for all of their pitchers instead of considering what is what each one is individually good at. This is the same problem they were having before when they were trying to turn everybody, including the Tyler Glassnows of the world, into a pitch-to-contact pitcher. Now they're just pretty much trying to turn everybody into a fastball slider guy. Not every young guy that comes through their system can succeed as that type of pitcher. Quinn Priester was supposed to have a great curveball, but went to a slider as his primary breaker as soon as he got to the Pirates. 
they tried to turn him into a predominantly fastball slider guy. Now, I think Quinn Priester sucks anyways and was just going to be terrible regardless, but having him shelf his best pitch is like telling me to go box Floyd Mayweather, but I also have to do it with my right arm tied behind my back. It's just awful. This is this, And this is the approach that they're using for all of their young starting pitchers, except Mitch Keller, who's kind of utilizing a kitchen sink approach, which has worked for the most part, but... Uh, just a couple of guys that I that I saw, Roenzi Contreras, fastball or slider, 84% of the time. Luis Ortiz, fastball or slider, 87% of the team, and 87% of the time. And Johan Oviedo throws that 79% of the time. I don't know enough about their repertoires to know that they have, if they're even capable of throwing more than that. But, like, they're not even throwing a show-me pitch. And they're trying to turn everybody into a fastball slider pitcher. And it's just, it, it's not, that's not it. You, you. Each guy is going to be good at different things. You can't turn everybody into the same guy. It's the same trap that the, that the previous uh, coaching staff ran into, just a, just a different form. And I would like the, I would like their pitching coach to be to be gone. I think, um, especially with Keller, kind of taking a nosedive. There's really no success stories since he's taken over. And the pitchers have only gotten worse, too. I don't know what's going on with their velocity. Like, that's why I said I'm worried that if he gets his hands on Skeens, Skeens will start throwing like 92 before we know it because that's they just inexplicably lose velocity when he messes with them. Uh, Jerwin, I can bounce it back to you or I, I can keep going. Well, I mean, I, I would just make one argument that Mitch Keller is also being turned into a fastball slider guy. He just happens to have three different fastballs, but that's the only difference. Yeah. Yeah, I can buy that. Carry on. Okay. Well, the Pirates hitting is also terrible as well. Uh, <laughs> this is, I, I've made this argument before that I was very disappointed um, seeing the Reds and like they, the Reds just called up another prospect, um, Marte, who is, I, I don't think that he's, he's not, He's not quite like McLean or Ellie De La Cruz, but like it's another guy that is probably that it, it, there, it comes with more excitement than a lot of the prospects we see here. But in any event, um, the hitting is bad. Uh, Henry Davis, most of all, is just the most frustrating. Number one, if we're going to play him in right field, like why did we draft him at number one? Because his bat is good for a catcher, not for a corner outfielder. He's not a special hitter if he's a corner outfielder. I don't like it, it. It doesn't seem like players just come to the major leagues and the pirates and just die. Like they do not develop at all. And I think for Davis in particular, this is seen. He does. If you watch his at bats, he is just, he's swinging for the fences, every single swing, no matter the count, no matter what he's hunting fastballs. He's hitting, I think, I believe close to 100 against breaking pitches. And you see him with two strikes, and he's still just up there hacking away. No adjustments being made. Uh, no, you, you can just see he's just up there swinging. And it's it's beyond frustrating because there's no, if there is coaching, it's not working. And uh, yeah, he's not the only one. Nick Gonzalez also sucked, and now he's gone. Um, but we didn't really think that Nick Gonzalez was going to be anything anyways. Uh, but Andy Rodriguez has been okay, but um, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been tough seeing a lot of other organizations bring up their young players and we're just stuck with 
sucky pitching and sucky hitting. So, um, yeah, I do have more takeaways. If you want me to keep going, I, I could keep going if, or I could bounce it to you. I'm interested to to see how far this goes. I guess maybe if you're gonna get into this anyways, just carry on. But I'm I'm curious. Uh, Nick Gonzalez was basically the last Pirates prospect I was even that aware of, just because he was a lot higher when I drafted him in my dynasty league, and he's kind of fell away. And um, not a lot special has been going on in the Pirates' uh, farm system, as far as I can tell, as kind of a passive observer in like the dynasty baseball community. So maybe you have a better idea of names of guys that don't start with SK, EN, whatever the heck, however you spoke schemes. Uh, like, is there any hope down there or is it just all this stuff that's going to be just bad and maybe we get an O'Neill Cruz in a couple years? Uh, Tamar Johnson seems like he's going to be okay. Um, but again, like I, that's until he gets here and then we ruin him again or not. Well, I guess not again. We ruin a, another high end prospect because we can't develop them at the major league level, but moving on from the, uh, from the devastation that is the Pirates organization. Um, Tim Anderson versus Jose Ramirez was awesome. Um, down goes Anderson from the Cleveland play-by-play guy was the greatest call I've ever heard. Um, and the fact that he w- he shifted tone into a boxing announcer was just, he's just a real pro. We'll just say that the correct amount of excitement and energy. Um, I could not, I, I couldn't be happier watching that just seeing seeing it as for Anderson I can't think of many players who I would have been happier to see get decked than him I think the only one that came to mind was Ryan Braun um who I wish like can't I wish got on Jose Ramirez's bad side at one time or another um but Anderson's gotten into so many dust-ups with players throughout his career it was it was nice to see Ramirez um knock him out uh, and if you looked at, if you saw any of, I'm not on Twitter, but I, I did see some of the tweets. If you saw them, Ramirez hit him so hard that it turned him into Antonio Brown. Um, if those cryptic tweets he sent out afterwards were any indication. And like, as far as that goes, sometimes like when you get decked like that and you just get, just n- get knocked on your rear on, and it's, it's everywhere. Like, just take, just take your L don't, don't do the cryptic tweets. Don't do anything else. Just take your L, maybe lean into it a little bit, because that's the only thing that's going to salvage the situation. Because now, really, Tim Anderson is just known as the guy who got knocked out by Jose Ramirez. I don't know if you saw, like, even other players and other teams are make, are kind of making fun of him. Like, there was Miguel Cabrera the other day when uh, put up his put up his hands when he was talking to Jose Ramirez, like joking around with him. Oh man, it's that was that was pretty funny though. Um. Oh, yeah. I yeah. am like fully disconnected from the outside world in terms of like Twitter and other social medias and stuff. Uh, but this does make me, th- this is the part that I miss just memeing on people who deserve it. Yeah, it was the, the memes were good. If nobody's checked them out, they, they should. 
Uh, let's see. I, I'm going to, I'm just going to go until the end of my list now. Uh, so Reed Detmers, I sent this to Jerwin the other day and I Reed Detmers is one of my favorites coming into this year. Um, so I saw a, an excerpt from, from fan graphs, um, talking about, I'm well, talking about Reed Detmers and how the angels pitching coach, I guess, thinks it is a, a problem that he strikes too many people out. Um, he said he continues to tinker, um, but his manager wants him to pitch to contact. Um, he said he's worked with Detmers on pitching to contact more and not trying to strike everyone out. I don't. Uh, it's unclear to me how his pension for striking every, every people out is, a, is the problem. Um, much less like the root of his failures as, as, as a pitcher this season. But um, in the same article, it talks about how he's tinkered in game with his mechanics. And that's, if, if I was a betting man, I, I would probably put my money on that being the problem, not him striking too many people out. But, you know, I'm just, I, I'm not a, I'm not a pitching coach. So that's, that's just my opinion. Um, Jerowin sends Detmer's, is your guy now um, on a scale of one to 10, how sad does this make you? I, any, I, I was, uh, I, you sent me this article and I just responded. It was supposed to be a GIF, but it was just a picture of uh, Cedric Diggory's father from Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. And Jake knew what I, what I was getting at. So shout out Jake for understanding it, despite the fact that the, GIF was a still image. Uh, but my boy, that's my boy. And they're making him pitch to content. I, oh, the, the thing that struck me about that was like the tinkering thing. Um, if he's doing that, like in the middle of the game, obviously, like that's like, don't you, you just go in with a game plan and you try and execute. You don't, I don't know, don't get cute with it. But I, it just seems weird to me. He had a good stretch. He had something figured out and now they're changing it again. Like he, they made an adjustment and it was a good one. They changed up his slider. It was slower and getting more break and thereby getting more separation from his fastball. And that was working great. And now they're changing it to I'm not a pitching coach either, but how I I just have to believe that something else was going wrong. So they were they were trying to tinker it back into place and it's just kind of falling apart again. But then again, like Cody Bellinger is a great example of like guys who are just always tinkering and they're always messing things up, even though they win league MVP and then they tinker some more. Like that's something that I'm I'm just not understanding about baseball players. I, I don't know why they're trying to change things when it was already working. One other Angels related topic. I saw the like the most Angels headline ever was Angels lose despite Otani Grand Slam and triple play. And I just thought to myself, like, that's so Angels. <laughs> uh I, I them not trading Otani is going to go down as like a just all time worst move. Like I, I understand what they were trying to do, but 
I guess all this, like the risk they took was calculated, but man, are they bad at math is all like I can say that about that. Are they still in the playoff hunt right now? Uh, not really. Ugh. That yeah. sucks. That sucks a lot. Yeah. You know, at least they have superstars, whereas the Pirates have... That's, the whole, that's yeah. the whole sentence. Yeah, that was... <laughs> Was I was it. waiting. I was waiting for like for something <laughs> clever, but I guess that was clever. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Well, from a team that has superstars to a team that, if you believe their owner, uh, might not have superstars for that long. Now, I complain about uh, Bob Nutting, but I, I have to say, like, I feel for Orioles fans because at least Bob Nutting doesn't say doesn't all the time say like really dumb things. Now, the Orioles. For those of you who have not paid attention this year at all, which is, I guess, probably nobody, but they have a lot of good young players. They're what, like, I wish the Pirates were, except for their owner. Um, I know that it was a highly, it, they, they were <laughs> in the midst of them winning. They suspended their play-by-play -play manager for reading, or their play manager, their play-by-play -play announcer for reading a graphic um, reading facts, a factual graphic. Uh, and then he, they, they brought, they tried to quietly bring him back. He, um, he released some video or statement claiming he wasn't, he didn't have any ill will towards the, towards the organization, probably at gunpoint. Um, if I had to, if I had to guess, but, uh, that hasn't even, that situation hasn't even totally passed yet. And we're already on another one because, uh, their owner, John Angelos, has said that the Orioles, or kind of hinted, the Orioles won't extend their young stars without dramatically raising prices at the ballpark. Um, yeah, that was that was kind of so. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna go into this because this is kind of hilarious in a way. Um, just like the to being totally tone deaf, just not shutting up, and always having these distractions around your team, but. I'm quoting it. The hardest thing to do in sports is be a small market team in baseball and be competitive because everything is stacked against you. Yeah. Poor John Angelos. Um, everything's just, the deck is already stacked against him. We're going to have to raise prices here dramatically. Um, basically saying like, we need more money. So let's raise prices is not really how economics works. Um, but never fear. Angelos is willing to elaborate um, just to tell us all, all us commoners on how difficult it is um, to have a good team and some, and keep good players in a small market like Baltimore. And this is John Angelos again. Let's say we sat down and showed you the financials for the Orioles. You will quickly see that when people talk about giving this player 200 million, that player 150 million we would have to we would be so financially underwater that you'd have to raise prices massively so the orioles are they, they basically i'm getting from this the orioles are barely staying afloat um financially if they can't if they can't pay 200 million or 150 for for anyone um otherwise they're going to have to declare bankruptcy uh but yeah, so <laughs> I, it's just, it's so tone deaf and like, just your team is really young and exciting for the first time in 
ages and you just can't stay out of your own way like just why would you say this why would you indicate that you're like the team that everybody's really excited about right now you got prospects on the way prospects that are already here and just shoving and you're like yeah they're we we can't pay them i'm sorry I, i'm we we don't make enough money i first of all i would love to see the financials of the orioles just if he's offering i say like call like Let's just take him up on that. Let me see the financials of the Orioles. Prove it. You can't pay these guys. But like, just at least with Bob Nutting, he doesn't say dumb stuff, even though, I mean, it may be a distraction from the team would be nice because I just shredded out. Like I just talked about how bad they were, but man, just why can't he just leave it alone? Let the Orioles be fun instead of doing this. But yeah, so Jerwin, um, that is the end of my list of takes from however many weeks it's been. I actually did have more on here, but I decided I should probably cut it so we weren't here all night. <laughs> um, I did have some I wanted to, but I just like, yeah, I could probably shouldn't talk about that. But uh, I mean, Jerwin, no. do you have any more? There will be some time on in future podcasts when we're just going over the playoffs and we can we can hatch some more things out. Uh, that is hilarious about the Orioles. Because I also just wonder, like, why would the Owners Association put up with one of one of their owners just saying that we literally can't play Major League Baseball? Our team cannot do that. If we did, we would go bankrupt and we would be out of the league. Like, why would you say that? Like, they're going to try to make you sell the team now, if that's actually true. But I, I think I agree with you. Like, let's call his bluff. He's, there's no way you can't just afford to field an, a Major League Baseball team if you own one. Yeah, I don't know who's, like, between him and, and the Colts owner, Jim Irsay, like, they, they just seem to try to one-up each other with saying like random dumb stuff at just inopportune times um if you're paying attention to the cold situation with uh with jonathan taylor right now <laughs> you'll know you'll know what i mean but uh um i guess we'll we'll move on to um some actually fantasy related stuff because really none of my takes were about fantasy because i between all the house stuff and everything like i i just wasn't paying attention that much to be honest um evidence because i i missed the trade deadline like i i for real forgot what day it was and by the time that i figured it out it was like too late to really do anything so <laughs> if everybody was wondering why i didn't do anything it's because i forgot what day it was um so yeah i guess that's a that could be in our big story section but um i guess another big story was that uh that mike shocked us all and decided to sell um I would know for like I was I was definitely surprised that he was the second highest scoring team at that point, and he just up and decided to uh, that that was that was it for this for that year. Um, I'm not I would I want to I, I would love to have him explain why because I don't think that was like I don't think that was really talked about. But like he was still I mean he made the playoffs, but he was still in a playoff position. I would I would just. I would just want to know what actually made him decide like to cut bait, I guess was my, and Jerwin, any, any thoughts on, on Mike deciding to, 
to sell at the uh, close to the last minute. Yeah, I think if I had to guess, I mean, he's he said in the group chat that he didn't feel like his team was good enough to, to you know, actually compete. So he's pulling out for this season and trying again next year. And like you said, he was the second place, second highest scoring team to that point. Um, so it's it seems odd. But I, I looked at like the more recent scoring trends when I did when I almost did the deep dive and then couldn't and just sent sent some screenshots. Um and we can see here he's gone two and eight since our last recording. Um like things have been pretty bad for him. He was dealing with some injuries around the time that like Kershaw was still out. Uh, Woodruff was still out. So on the one hand, I get it. Like things were not looking great at the time and the trade deadline was closing in. Um, and then on the other hand, it like try and weather the storm, try and make some moves. You're in the playoffs right now. And he sold and still didn't miss the playoffs. So overall, overall, I think the the problem is not, oh, Mike was the second highest scoring team and he sold, or, oh, Mike got out while he still could because his team was was trending downwards rapidly. I, I think the problem is the the trade strategy that he had this year. Um we talked about it on a um, a previous podcast. He got rid of his entire keeper. I shouldn't say his entire keeper pool. Um, but actually, I think at the time, the only guys he really had left were like Bobby Miller and Ellie De La Cruz. Um, and he traded Bobby Miller eventually anyways. Um, and then he decided to sell, which is another strange thing. But the fact that he got rid of so many keepers and had no ammo going into the deadline, I think was the nail in the coffin and kind of why I I kind of understand why he decided to pull out. Um, but the thing for me is it, it wasn't, you know, things just didn't pan out. He had too many injuries. He had a bad draft or something he just traded his way like nickel and dimed himself out of contention um which is weird to say because he's still in the playoffs but like now is i don't i don't think anyone really considers his team like a a potential contender right now he basically snuck in because brendan kind of felt the wheels fell off for him in the last couple weeks as well um so yeah i I would have tried to stay in. I get why he got out, but I think that was that was his own making. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think I've been on record. I don't think the constant trade things. I don't think that works. Uh, but we'll go. We'll move on because I I spent enough time talking earlier. Uh, <laughs> the trade deadline. Uh, I'm 
Gerwin, I'm going to let you take the lead on a lot of these because I'm not quite sure how to evaluate them now myself since so much time has passed. <laughs> uh, but we're going to go through all the trades that happened in the trade deadline-ish period. Uh, starting with the first one, Jordan traded Raphael Devers, League Villain Nick traded O'Neill Cruz, and Josh Young. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? So I'll, I'll also qualify this with uh, a lot of the notes I have here are from closer to when uh, when the trades actually happened, probably like a week or two after the, the deadline when I actually wrote them up. Uh, so some of these takes might be kind of old and I'll adjust on the fly. Um, but that can also be valuable because, you know, you want to evaluate a trade for what it is at the time, not necessarily how it panned out. Um, but that part will still be interesting. Uh, so with this one, I, I thought, I think, I think O'Neill Cruz is a pretty good keeper. He's kind of, it's kind of weird for me. Like he kind of had a bit of a breakout end of last year and he looked like he was keeping, keeping the ball rolling and then he gets hurt and he's out long-term. He's just a weird one. Like I He's probably really good, and he's probably good enough in this league to to be a really good keeper at the discount he's he's at. Um, but we've seen so little of him so far, uh, at least so little of him producing so far compared to like other breakouts that it, it still kind of on the fence for me. Um, Josh Young is late. I don't know that he's going to be good in our league. His his strikeout rate is pretty bad. Um, but other than that, I I think the the market for Devers kind of dried up. Like I know I would have probably been interested, but Manny Machado's kind of turned it around. Especially he he had an amazing June and July. I think. Um, so I was kind of out. I know you've had, you've got Bregman. So like a lot of the big players already had a third baseman they felt comfortable with. Um, so so Devers was already like his value was going to be lower. So overall, I think it's pretty fine. Onu Cruz is probably going to be pretty good. Josh Young is there. Yeah, I think Josh Young will be uh, kind of like a Austin Riley light. Which is fine. Um, I don't think he'll ever be like an elite, elite guy, but um, yeah, he's okay. Um, O'Neill Cruz, uh, he looked good in the small sample for what it's worth, but uh, mm -hmm. it was a small sample. Um, yeah, like I think all your points about the Devers market is fair. I don't, I don't think that was ever particularly robust. Uh, but going on to the next one, Sam trades Luis Castillo and Clay Holmes. League villain Nick trades Brian Bayo and Walker Bueller. Uh, Jeremy, go ahead. Yeah, so Bueller is a high-end keeper for next season. Um, I don't know if he's due back like for opening day. Uh, maybe you could correct me on that. But I think regardless, he's... Definitely late enough to to warrant the pick on him. Um, I would expect him to come back and look pretty good. Uh, I, it's his second Tommy John, right? 
I believe so. Yeah. Um, so maybe that casts a little bit more doubt, but like we've seen some elite pitchers come back from Tommy John lately, Justin Verlander, Tyler Glasnow, um, and Walker Bueller is is a high end pitcher. I would expect him to be he might have some rust to kick off, but I, I would expect him to be pretty decent. The only the only concern would be innings next year. Um Bayo seems to have broken out. And again, I'm writing this at the time. I don't I don't really know how he's done since this trade happened. Um, but when I wrote down these notes, um, I said I don't know that I trust him. It he's late enough to take the shot on him, but I don't know that there was when I looked into him, I didn't feel very confident about about him sustaining what he was doing. Um and then Clay Holmes hasn't been a hero like he was last year, but he's fine. And obviously Luis Castillo is is great. Good moves by both sides, I think. Yeah, I agree. This felt appropriate for Luis Castillo. Um Bayo, I think he's I, I admittedly have not paid one bit of attention to what Bayo has done lately. Um but I know that Bueller is is good. Um or at least he was last I checked. <laughs> And again, um, Castillo, top ten pitcher. This this felt this felt appropriate for him. And our next trade is between League villain Nick and Nate. League villain Nick traded Eduardo Rodriguez, and Edward, Eduardo could not block this one. And Nate traded Michael Lorenzen and Brian Wu. Jared, what are your thoughts? Uh, Brian Wu. As far as I know, I think he's injured. It's, that's the latest news I've heard, but supposed to be back this week. Uh, he was going to get shut down, so that was going to suck for League Villain Nick. Maybe he won't now because he spent some time not pitching because he was hurt. Who knows? Uh, Michael Lorenzen, I think, is probably like a streamer pitcher. Um, but Eduardo Rodriguez on the other end, it, he's been like up and down a bit this season, kind of overall solid. So I don't know. I don't really like the return that Nick got, but Nate didn't get like a guaranteed ace or anything. So I, I think it was generally fine. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt about it too. Um, Jerwin, this one really, really shocked me. Uh, it's your trade. You traded Tyler Glass now to Sam for Blake Snell and Max Muncie. Um, why don't you walk me through this one? Yeah, first of all, I think Sam and I have a nice rhythm where like one year I'm selling and I give him a great player and the next year he's selling and he gives me a great player. So that's been a pretty nice arrangement over the last couple of years. But yeah, Tyler Glasnow was my biggest chip to move, I think. Um, I would have liked to get more out of him uh, he's my best keeper, like I said, and probably one of the better ones in the whole league. Um, but in hindsight, and I, I talked about this with Nate, actually, uh, after the deadline, um, and I'll touch on it when we get to his trade with Sam as well. Um, if Mike wasn't selling, I don't know that I get even this much uh, out of Sam for, for Tyler Glasnow. Uh, I think Blake Snell's a perfectly good replacement they're they're probably comparable in value i would say um and then max muncie is more reliable than nolan than nolan gorman which 
isn't saying much, but it's it helps pay for the extra keeper value that I'm giving up in in Glass now. So, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of how I felt about it. I wish it was better, but I I think I did what I could. Yeah, Sam would have really. Uh, I, I I totally agree. You wouldn't have even gotten this if Mike didn't make the last second switch. Um. Yeah, you're getting second half Blake Snell too. So I, I think Snell strikes me as one of those guys that doesn't do anything over the offseason and comes to comes to spring training totally unprepared and doesn't really hit his stride. Like his spring training expe- extends well into the regular season. So he doesn't actually like hit his in-season form until the second half. Um that's just my theory anyways. But uh yeah, I think this is fine. Um, I was just surprised you traded glass now after your, uh, your anti trading keepers, um, stance that you've taken this year for the most yeah. part. I, I feel like I, I have the backups to, to keep a solid five still. Um, so, so trading your big pieces and still having five guys you feel good about. I, I think that's fine, but we, we won't get too into that this week. We've got a lot to cover. All right, this is probably the biggest trade. Uh, Mike traded Rysel Iglesias, Ronald Acuna Jr., Bailey Ober, Brandon Woodruff, and Brandon Nimmo to Scott for Tristan McKenzie, Yuri Perez, Jackson Chirillo, Juan Soto, and Julio Rodriguez. Um, a lot to break down here. Um, I guess I I guess I could just start since I haven't been doing that. I I actually thought this was a pretty good return for Mike. Um, I know Acuna Jr.'s, I think, far and away the best player in fantasy this year, but and he did have to give up Woodruff as well. But I mean, he gave up Soto, he flipped. Um, I really like Perez a lot, and I uh, got back Julio Rodriguez too, who's going on a bit of a heater. Um, maybe hoping to break into that uh elite, elite keeper, the super keeper club, I guess we could say. He won. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I thought this was a fine return, um, especially since he got Soto and then was able to flip him. Uh, but yeah, any thoughts on this one? Uh, there's too many players. I don't like, I don't like talking about this many players in one trade, but that aside, I'll do it anyways. Cause it's the podcast. Uh, I agree. Yuri Perez, big thumbs up. Julio, he is still a good keeper. Uh, I don't have to rehash how I feel about julio too much i think he's a pretty good player he's super elite for certain stretches and then he's kind of okay to bad during others but that's his profile and if you're willing to deal with that then more power to you and he's so late still as a keeper then it's it's well worth it jackson chirio we talked about it he's maybe a fine keeper he's maybe a fine keeper if you had no one else but I, I my notes here from when I looked at this a while ago, uh, I just put I count seven guys on Mike's roster I'd rather keep before I kept Trio without even thinking twice. So um, I don't think he's going to be kept. Maybe as an expansion guy if if no one has anyone better to take. But um, yeah, that's my that's my thoughts. Updated thoughts on Jackson Trio. Um, but then obviously Scott comes out with the biggest prize of the deadline in Acuna. 
And then Woodruff is also going to be a pretty good arm for him. I actually don't know how well he's done since this trade, uh, since returning from injury. I assume he's returned from injury since this. I actually don't know that. Um, But I guess, like, at the time, I thought maybe he might have some rust to shake off. Might be like a Rodon situation where he's not very good to start out. But um, time... Time will or would tell when this trade was made. So, yeah. Uh, moving on to a trade that went south, um, probably with I think within a week. Um, Mike traded Wander Franco, Juan Soto, and Jose Barrios. Nick Lee traded Mitch Keller and Corbin Carroll. Um, we don't really have to get into why it went south, besides um, Kyle Crick should things. probably go beat up Wander Franco. I would think. It's a but, lot uh, of bad things that they wishing on me is is what the situation is. Yeah. So um I mean there there's no real way to evaluate this trade at the time because it turned out so drastically different. So I I don't even know that we need to stay on it just because the valuations have changed so much. I mean I I didn't love it at the time anyways just cuz I didn't like I I'm a really big Corbin Carroll guy even though that he's He's slowed down a little bit, and I know that Mitch Keller has too, but um, yeah, this is not even close to the same trade that it was at the time, so not really worth dwelling on, I don't think. Uh, so we'll just move on to the next one. Um, Sam traded Paul Goldschmidt and Zach Gallen. Nate traded Bryce Harper, Bryce Miller, and Trevor Story. Uh, Jerwin, what are your thoughts on this one? Uh, well, a couple weeks ago, my thoughts were that I liked this quite a bit for Sam. I think Bryce Harper uh, hasn't quite been himself this year, but I remember when they were talking about the prospects of Bryce Harper returning this year, they were making comparisons to Shohei Otani after he got Tommy John. Um, And Otani was not super great the year after he got Tommy John when he returned. Um, So like, I'm ready to forgive Bryce Harper for whatever production he had this year. And I think he'll get right back to his first round player self uh, next season and be well worth the discount. Bryce Miller. We've talked a bit about Bryce Miller. He's a one pitch pitcher, but he's got a great one pitch. Um, And he's young enough to where the secondaries could still develop. Um, We'll see the, the Mariners kind of have a type of guys who throw really great fastballs and then the rest of their stuff is like, uh, okay, but it would be great if it was better. Um, so we'll see what they do with him and if he if he pans out better. I, I think he's worth the shot with how late he is. Uh, Trevor Story, similar. I don't know how he's done since returning from injury. I think he got off to a decently hot start in like the first week or so. Um, but he's got enough of a track record to also be a pretty good keep. Um, Nate gets pretty good players in Goldschmidt and Gallen. Like, I, I don't think he's coming out with nothing he, here. He didn't get hosed. Um, but like I said before with my trade, I I would have wanted more for these keepers if I were Nate. But I don't think Nate was going to get more for these keepers out of Sam unless... Uh, I, if Mike hadn't sold, he would have gotten even less. So I, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of how I felt about it. I I really like Zach Allen a lot and he got a great player in him, but 
um, Bryce Harper has a lot of keep value. Um, I'm not real crazy about Bryce Miller or anything. Um, Trevor Story. Trevor Story is okay, um, I think. But uh, the big prize here is is Harper. Um, and maybe in a maybe in a different year he probably would have gotten more for him. But you know, Sam being the uh the only girl at the bar, uh per se, kind of really assisted in his um his his deals here. Uh moving on to the next one, Mike trades Bryson Stott, Mike Trout and Clayton Kershaw. Nate trades Austin Riley. And I will start us off here because and, and I'm th- this is probably the most brutal that I will be with critiquing a trade. This gets a big old come on man for me from Mike because not only did Nate hose you to get Austin Riley in the first place, but then he trades him back to you for a lot more. So it's kind of like the double whammy of, uh, you know, the the double whammy of nonsense here where Nate got Austin Riley for less than like, this is just, that's, this is that, that trade tree. I think we called it trade tree incest that we talked about. And, um, you it's an automatic failure when that's the case um when you trade somebody away especially if you when you trade when you trade for them again after you traded for them away or you've traded them away it's especially when you've gotten in my opinion hosed to this extent this is this is a lot for me to take um and i i don't totally get it i don't understand it especially when clayton kershaw was supposedly unavailable but um I wasn't, this is not, I hope this doesn't come off as me being salty because like I said, I forgot the trade deadline was even happening. So I wasn't going to get him in the first place. (laughs) Like I did not get beat on a trade because I didn't offer any. I didn't know that the trade deadline was happening. This just, just come on, man. Where's the pride? Just don't eat, just don't trade for a guy that you traded away earlier to the same team. Oh my goodness. But uh, yeah, those are my thoughts on that one. Jerwin, any anything to add? Yeah, it's it's just a bad look. And it, it goes to what I was talking about earlier. Like he wouldn't have been in this situation if he had held on to his keepers, who are your most valuable assets in this league, for the most part, unless they suck. But most of the time your keepers are gonna be your most valuable assets. He got rid of them way too early in the year. And he's literally paying the price. Yeah, I I mean, Nate pantsed him and then made him then then made him pay for his pants back with his lunch money is how I'm kind of thinking about it. But uh, moving on to a little bit of a clunker um, in terms of just the overall trades. Jerwin traded Logan Ohoppy. Is it Ohop or Ohoppy? I don't know. Uh, I'm going with Ohoppy. Nate trades Colton Kowser. I didn't even know this trade happened. Did this, I mean, is this, okay, can you be honest with me? Is this a test to see if I've actually been paying attention? Because I don't recall this trade ever happening. Uh, it happened on deadline day in the early morn, I believe. Nate just asked me, did I want to give up Ohapi for Kowser? And I was like, sure, fine. Okay, I mean, I think that's all we really need to say because both of these players have stunk. Yeah, um, I, I actually don't know. Ohapi was injured at the time. 
So I don't know how he's looked since returning. It was a shoulder, so maybe it was bad. I just my notes just say happy deadline day, lol. That's that's what this trade was. And our final trade, Scott trades Nathaniel Lowe and Brandon Nimmo. And JC traded Adolis Garcia, Wilmer Flores, and Ezekiel Tovar. Um, I thought this was a little light of her return for Adolis Garcia, but I, I know that JC was really, really hurting for a first baseman, and he basically just passed that problem off to Scott. So those, those are my, that concludes my thoughts on this trade. Yeah, I mean, Adolis Garcia is actually a pretty darn good keeper. I think so. Yeah, he is. Uh, yeah, this I don't. I didn't very like the. I didn't like this very much. Not for Nathaniel Lowe. All right. Well, that concludes our trade deadline talk. Um, yeah, uh, I'm glad that uh that it, it looks like it was it was somewhat exciting. Um, yeah, I don't know how many of these trades actually happened on deadline day though. But uh, we'll go into the playoff preview. Um, the playoff race, even though it was pretty, it was pretty tight until the end. Um, but we we made it to week 18, and the playoff seeds were already solidified. Uh, there was, but there was some, there was the seeding that was up in the air. But uh, this is what we ended up with. I, as as we said off the top at the top of the show, um, yours truly is the number one seed. Um, on the other side, Scott ended up winning the division. Um, he went one and one last week after a clunker from Nick Lee. Um, Nate actually had a better record than Scott, but all the same is in the the uh, the East Division. So he is the three seed um, and the number two seed in the East. Nick Lee got hot down the stretch, but just couldn't quite close it out um, to win the division. But he all the same, he is the number two seed in the West, followed by Jerwin as the number three seed in the West. And then we have J.C., um, over in the east and our wild cards mike and league villain nick in that order um Jerwin, any general thoughts on how the playoff race ended up um it almost was very interesting i i think um i i thought some wild card spots were going to be up for grabs going into the last week but brendan kind of like I, I think I said earlier, the, the wheels kind of fell off for him. Um, so that was kind of unfortunate. I, I thought we were going to end up with a, a balanced playoffs with four teams from each side. I, I thought for sure after Mike sold, Brendan would be able to, to overtake him. Um, and then I thought for a brief period that Leagueville and Nick was, was going to be the odd man out. That was a distinct possibility, but it ended up both Mike and Nick make it make it on the back of Brendan's final collapse. Um, and yeah, and then I, I thought it was going to be interesting between Scott and Nick Lee in the final week. But Scott, you know, or Nick Lee, like you said, had a bit of a clunker and that was that was disappointing. I, I was I was hoping to have something fun to watch uh in the final in the final matchup but oh well it was it was still fun up until then uh watching the playoff race and like gaming out like who has what chance who has to 
what needs to happen for this team to make it. That's that's one of the most entertaining things for me in fantasy sports. So I did enjoy that part. Yeah, I mean, the, we we kept it interesting basically till the very end um, in terms of where who was actually going to make the playoffs and who was going to play who. The matchups weren't solidified. I, I don't remember that happening in previous years. I think that going into the final week, um, a lot more had actually been had been settled at that point. We'll uh we'll move on to um I see you have power rankings on the itinerary and I have to ask are these old or are these current? Um oh I did update these for the playoff race I got I cut four teams out of it and yeah so I can I can talk about the the power rankings going into the playoffs. Go for it. All right. So the championship favorites, those have not changed. I have Jake and Scott and Nate at one, two, and three. Uh, the challenger tier, obviously, Brendan falls out of this as he did not make the playoffs. Um, but the challenger tier is mixed up uh, a little bit. Uh, I have Nick Lee as the top challenger at number four. I have me behind him at number five. Uh, and then JC and League Villain Nick have both been on the downslope. I, I looked today and I had actually um I had actually passed Nick or sorry, passed JC in the standings and in points four. So JC's kinda fall from grace has continued late into the season and, and he doesn't look as strong. League villain Nick obviously missing Shane McClanahan is going is gonna hurt. Um and then in the goodbye yellow brick road tier from last time, the sole survivor is Mike. He's in the playoffs, but I don't I don't think we expect much for him. All right, let's move into our matchup preview. Um, we're going to start with the thing to watch for. And mine is that League, I, I noticed today League Villain Nick seems to be in like the Hail Mary strat, like Hail Mary mode already, which I thought was a little strange. And what I mean by that is um, starting bad pitchers just because they have two starts um, or like Sparps who are bad, who are objectively bad pitchers, um, but they are Sparps. Um, so just a couple guys, uh, Paul Blackburn. Um, and I know he's been okay lately. Mike Clevenger, who just stinks now. Um, <laughs> Brandon Fought, who I, I think is, I, I guess maybe I have a bone to pick with him because he was, I, I thought he was going to be good and then he just wasn't. Um, but all the same, he's he's just bad. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I am very against this strategy just because this is kind of what bit me last year with, with Matt Manning. Um, and it was just interesting to see this already happening because usually what happens is you don't see this from anybody until uh like week two of the playoff matchup is usually when these we usually when um if people feel like they need maybe some extra volume they'll they'll try to add some guys but usually don't see this right off the bat so i'm kind of interested to see how this play how this actually plays out um i mean i hope it ends poorly um preferably in flames but uh I'll be interested to see what happens all the same. Jerwin, your thing to watch for. 
My thing to watch for is actually my matchup with Nick Lee. I think it's the most evenly even matchup that that we most, have. The most evenly even matchup? The most evenly even matchup that we have, yes. Uh you versus Nick, I like like you said, he's already in Hail Mary mode. And like I said, McClanahan being gone hurts a lot. Um, and he was kind of looking looking rough going into the playoffs anyways. Scott versus Mike. Already talked about Mike. Scott's team, still really good. Uh, shouldn't shouldn't diminish anything. He's he's had a lot of injuries to deal with down the stretch, which is why which is what opened the door for Nick Lee. But I think overall Scott's team still still pretty primo. Uh Nate versus JC, a little bit closer, but I think JC is also kind of um, on the outs. Um, so yeah, Nick Lee and myself, I think, ha- are going to have the, t- the toughest battle against each other. Um, so that should be a fun one to watch. All right. Um, going into our matchup predictions, prediction records, I don't really know that they matter much at this point. I don't think people really care. Just know that I won. Um, he did, and I lost to fan tracks, and I I don't know what the punishment is for that, but I'm I'm sure I will feel the wrath in the off season. Yeah, definitely need need to do better next year. Um, yes. We can't be losing to the machine like that. But uh, we'll go through the matchups. We only got four of them this week. Let's start with my matchup versus League Bill and Nick. Who do you have here? I'm taking you, Jake. I am also taking me, and I really hope that this is like the last year that I have to make two trips out to League Bill and Nick's house. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, I, I guess it's not really that much farther than everybody else, but like at some point I would like to stop making those trips. So, um, nothing against League Bill and Nick personally. I just don't bring him the trophy again. Uh, Scott versus Mike. Uh, I'm going with Scott here. This was, I think, the easiest one out of all of them. Yeah, Scott as well. Nate versus JC. I'm taking Nate. I am also taking Nate. And Nick Lee versus you, Jerwin. I'm actually taking you. I will. I'm taking myself. Look at that. You can't, and you can't lose to Fantrax if you pick the same ones that that Fantrax does. Precisely. Uh, clean sweep. Um, Fantrax has the same as we do. All right. Um, that's about it for the episode. I was gonna put together news and notes, but at this point, um, call ups are kind of a. Uh, August is sort of an awkward time for call-ups because there aren't really many. I mean, there's uh, Noel V. Marte, I think is, I think that's how you pronounce his first name, but I could be wrong. Um, but there's we're we're like at the bottom of the barrel here in terms of who of actual impact prospects, um, and the guys that that are up um, are usually staying here. So there's not really anything in terms of sending down, and everybody is honestly remarkably healthy. Um, going into the playoffs, at least um, as far as recent injuries go. Um, so, yeah, no news and notes because there's not really anybody to talk about. Um, but maybe that'll change as we as the calendar flips to September. But uh, that does it for us today. Um, thanks, Jerwin, for joining once again. Um, I think we have three more of these, right? Uh, yeah, it'll be, you know, uh, in two weeks after the next one and, you know, every other week until the championship, the recap. And then we got one more at the end. Yep. So that, 
uh, that does it for us. But um, yeah, next year we're going to need to figure something out for these. Um, these, I mean, I won't be buying another house and have to not do anything for a month and a half. So that, that won't be an issue again, but um, or at least I hope it won't. Uh, I, however, will be having a child for the first yes. time. So <laughs> relations, Jerwin, by the way. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, we will need more guest participation because frankly, baseball season is a long time and uh, planning weekly podcasts is it is a drain. It's it can be, and I, I don't want it to ever get to the point where it has to be a chore. Um, and honestly, like I'm still working on house stuff, so I felt a little bit. I feel a little a little guilty, um, even recording at all because I still got stuff on my to do list that uh, I should probably be doing instead. So I'm gonna get to that. Um, but that does it for us this week. Um, good luck to everybody except for League Villain Nick. And uh, that does it for us. Thanks for listening.